a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Okay, I'm talking nothing now. Look, there he is. <laughs> yes. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, we, we got can. you. We got you loud and clear. Uh, okay, look, good. Let's get right into this. Our next guest is a member of the order, of Brit- the most excellent order of British Empire. I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Justin Hayward, the Moody Blues, brand new single, Living for Love, available now where you get your music. You can also check out the lyric video on YouTube as well. Welcome back to the show, Justin Hayward. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Thank you, boys. Are, yeah. Are you, are you currently on tour right now? Are you in a hotel room or what's the... Uh, yeah, I'm in a hotel in Leeds in the north of England. Oh, I love Leeds. What a rock and roll town. Yeah. Oh come on! <laughs> what the, the the Who it's, live in Leeds? It's 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 yeah. uh, it's a classic. But you know what? It's like a classic you, town. You laugh, but I'll tell you a funny story about Leeds. So uh, one of my best friends, his name is Paul Hayes. He's on the radio uh, nationally in the UK, and he was living in Manchester, but he also had a house between Leeds and Manchester. So he'd always be like, when you come down, I'm going to bring you to Leeds. It's a very rock and roll kind of town. You'll love it. And he brought me over there to the shopping mall. And I was like, the, the, this is the rock and roll that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I always think of Leeds as the big mall. <laughs> big mall. Oh. It's, a, it's a great music town. It's a great... We used to play the university here. It was brilliant. Yeah. But, um, but I, I won't be moving here. That's all. But I like this... <laughs> I like this hotel room very much. Okay. Maybe yeah. you can come out yeah. to Montreal. Uh, okay. Let me just uh, quickly talk about the about the new song "Living for Love." Of course, thank you. You yep. have written tons of great songs: "Nights in White Satin," "New Horizons," etc. To Tuesday Afternoon. Has your songwriting changed at all, or or how do you approach the songwriting process? You know, it comes out of a guitar. It right. jumps out of a guitar, I think, and um, something just fits together on a guitar. And once, uh, how can I explain this? But once you start to see pictures, once you start to see it like a kind of movie, and it's cinema, 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 cinema. Yeah, you exactly. There you go. And then it becomes a song that you can get involved in that's how it usually works with me I, I struggle with that first bit until i've got a chord sequence great but lyrically it has to be cinematic yeah yeah i know yeah. a lot of songwriters we speak to i mean everybody from desmond child to you know even the guys in aerosmith they always say you know we always come up with a really catchy title and then try to write around that <laughs> do, do you have a weird process like that aside from just a couple of chords or do you happen to jot down like maybe a title or a sequence of lyrics and- yeah oh that's interesting that you say that that's always failed miserably for me I, really? I, yeah i've got i've got loads of good titles that it never works out i think i think one did it was a song called the day we meet again right. but uh that's about the only one but uh some titles are obvious you know the uh wildest dreams tuesday afternoon i know you're out there somewhere and mm. nights in white satin i've been trying to explain it it's obvious to me but i've been trying to explain it for the rest of my for most of my life yeah <laughs> and uh and others just won't come at all yeah you know Clearly not. Question, you'd be hard-pressed to find the word in the song. 
Now, when you're writing, is it just you sitting there with the with the 335, or are you sitting with an acoustic? Like, uh, paint a picture for me. Like, what what's the scene look like? Oh, well, it's 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 always an acoustic guitar, right. and it's it's between ten at night and two thirty, and I get to that stage where I don't think there's anybody else around, and something something kind of spooky is happening and uh yeah the strings just seem to fall into the right place and and that's where it is or the other way like it was with the mood is it's like hey man we need a song tomorrow and the the the, the group would be like oh justin justin's bound to have he'll have something and we'll just wait and see so um it's like that was it, and I and I did have something. Yeah, you know, I always had something. What was more creatively fulfilling for you? I mean, recording with the band live off the floor like that, or you just in that isolation period of you know just you and the guitar and just being able to write and not have anybody kind of over your shoulder. Um. Well, I'm the group member from Hell, so because I know what everybody should be playing before they play it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I. I, I spend the whole three hours like, oh, no, it goes like this. No, no, it's on the hi-hat. No, there's You, you were the taskmaster. But, but, but it is frustrating uh, sometimes to get that idea that's in your head on the paper. I, I forget if it was Aristotle or Plato who had said that, but uh, you know, you, to get what you see on your head onto the canvas is not always simple. Yeah. No. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, we're talking about we're talking about as if it's something um, incredibly mystic here, but re- really, it's quite trivial. <laughs> it's the but, allegory but, of the cave, of course. <laughs> yes, um, but, but 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 no. Let me say this though. I, I, yes, I was the group member from Hell on the when I was down there getting the backing track. I don't have to do that anymore because it's just me, yeah. you know, and, and I'm putting my own groove to it. But right, when when I when I was invited. We were never invited in the control room until it's like the end of In Search of the Lost Chord. But really, but when I'm invited into the <clears throat> when I was invited into the control room, I could what they did up there and they play it back and I thought, oh, that's brilliant. What did you do? Like well, I was thinking it was shit. Then what was that? <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking it was shit, but but I but there was something that they did, some glue that they put on. It's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, when it's mixed and mastered, you hear it back. You're like, "Oh, I guess that performance wasn't as out of time as I thought." Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how how have you world. changed over the years in, in terms of the new technology? Because you started recording back in the '60s, it was very, very different. Do you embrace the technologies? Where do you keep your iPhone near you to get lyrics in there and get ideas? And do you want the Pro Tools and the this and that, or or do you still like the sort of the organic way of I get in the studio, turn on the mics, let's go. Um, I like both of those things because they're both enlightening um, okay. and and I have to keep with the technology and move with it. I mean, the invention of the, well, the Mellotron was a great step forward. The Lindrum was massive, mm-hmm. <laughs> massive for every yeah. guitar player. <laughs> yeah, really? And, uh, yeah. And my de- my demos, I mean, the first demo at home I made with the Lindrum, I don't think the Lindrum was used, but maybe the bass drum was, was the voice. And um, But from then on, it's been like that. And maybe it's limiting. I don't know. Maybe it would have been different. Mm. But sometimes in Italy where I record, I go to a, 
a drummer's place and um we go down there and do drums and bass but i i kind of like to do it myself as well yeah. and the technology has is, is absolutely helped me yeah and when you're programming I, I, that I embrace it all the way particularly virtual instruments and yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean even back in the day when you were programming the lindrum you know programming all those like sequences stuff it's kind of the same way now working on the grid in pro tools you're placing a kick placing a snare placing a hi-hat yeah. you know it, it, it is it is yeah it's art as well i mean people like to yeah. talk about it like as if it's a bad thing but there's a real art to programming it's oh. it's enjoyable satisfying <laughs> and uh when you hit that sweet groove it's very rewarding yeah. Talk about Guitar Gear a little bit. I mean, obviously you're famous for playing the 335 through the years, that beautiful red one with the big speed. Uh, you've seen every type of amp come and go through the years. Um, do you feel like guitar technology has improved and elevated the game a bit, or do you think it's still sort of like, it's it's just a guitar and an amp, and it's what you do with it? Well, I, I'm mostly a, an acoustic guitar player now. I always was. Mm. When I came to the band, it was always acoustic guitar first, wow. and then the 335. But but of course, on stage, we were two different bands, right. which was maybe why Mike left. Mike Binder left. That's part of why he left. We were a recording band that had the kind of guitars and stuff up front and the drums back a little bit. Then we were a performing band with the, we were all having to rise to the level of the drums. The big thing that's changed over the years is volume. I started off in the band with an AC30. Mm. And then I went to, you know, a Marshall 100 watt. Then I looked at us at the Isle of Wight Festival, the film back in 1970. And and I've got two 200 watt high watts, oh four cabinets. Logie has got the same. And Ray's standing in front of another 800 watts that Mike <laughs> had for his Mellotron with his trousers <laughs> flapping. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, it was like unbelievable <laughs> trying to fill these places. But then in the 80s, that as PA systems started to get more refined and better, then we could come down in volume. And then um, slowly, and, and acoustic guitars were able to be represented through the sound, through the PA. Yeah. I slowly came back to an AC30. So, I mean, it's been volume of hair. And volume in yeah. of sound. So now this well. might be a this might be a stupid question because I'm only 28 <laughs> and I've always been curious about this. I mean, back in the 70s, okay. PA systems obviously weren't that great. Were you really depending on the stage sound to fill out the arena or fill out the hall? Yes. Wow. Yes. The, <clears throat> the PA was only at most for the vocals. Right. Wow. So it really the was drums. that loud on that stage. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it was. And you had the wedges blowing right at your ears, too. Oh, dreadful, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an unbelievable sound. I, I said just now I could see Ray, I could see Ray's trousers flapping, you know, <laughs> there's flares, there's flares flapping. In term, talk to me that, about that about in terms of a singer, because I'm assuming you've gone to in-ears now. How how much has that yeah. made it more enjoyable to have in-ears rather than these wedges blasting at your head night after night? You, you just said it so much better than I could. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just summed it up in one right. little sentence, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a joy. In-ears are a joy. Yeah, and with yeah, the in-ears. The, the moment they came in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which brand are you using? Are you using JH Audio or using Ultimate Ears? 
No, I use uh, a, a really simple old system called Pure Tone English mm. and just a couple of little tiny speakers in there. And um, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I love that. Th there was a difficult period of a few years where some people in the in the group or musicians like, no, I'm not doing that in-ear stuff. So I still want my monitors. So he was trying to do both. So, um, yeah. you know, there was a lot of wincing. Oh, kind of thing. But, <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be a battle, right? Well, it's always a volume battle. <laughs> you know, when yeah. I when I did those shows with Foreigner, when I went out with Foreigner, they had six different mixes that you could choose in your in-ear. So you could choose yeah. if you wanted to hear the backing or the drum. And you really yes, couldn't do exactly. that back in the day with the wedges. That The wedges just blasted everything at you, and that was it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there was, yes. No, you're absolutely right. You've been there, so you, you, know, you yeah. know what it means. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, and, and um, I'm 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 twice his age, so I've I've been around from the '70s, so I know exactly what. Hey, just yeah. real quick, since you were talking about all the big speakers on the stage and the big sound, was the Moody Blues one of these bands that also had the the faux cabinets, the you know the empty cabinets, just to make it look bigger and more impressive? Because sort of Kiss did it, Van Halen did it. Did did the Moody Blues do that too? Little theater of the mind. You mean like a wall of speakers? Yeah, that that were that were empty. Just a big wall of empty speakers that the the audience went, "Wow, look at that! That is awesome!" But you just went, "Funny boy." No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that for us. No, it was. Okay. Um, we were trying to get something, and also you remember when we started in the sixties, the top of the bill would often be a light show. Yeah, not the not the uh, the the groups. You know, there was a number of people on, and um, I think most people were interested in in dance you know falling around and dance just, just stuff with the light show indulging in the psychedelics and uh yeah uh, it, it was a yeah. very different time you had comedians opening you had light shows you had i mean juggler i mean it was just it was just a, a different yeah. time um That's real right. quick on the rock and roll hall of fame ultimately it it's sort of a made-up organization by jan wenner and stuff but does it actually represent something for you to receive it i mean is it nice to have it or is it just um part of the cool kids i mean talk to me is it an important achievement to have it seems to be the the place where uh how can i how can i put this it seems to be the place where the kind of spirit of um of the this I, I hate the word community, but I have to right. say it that that it, that that it lies. Okay. And somebody had to do it. So, somebody had True. to be that thing like that. Yeah. And and for the Moody's fans, it meant it meant the world, you know, to be validated in what they were listening to. And it was a great night. I I, I enjoyed it very much. And oh. um, we only had a few minutes because there was other people on that had a, a lot more time than us. But yeah. But. Uh, for us, I'm so glad I saw Mike again, yeah. you know, Mike Pinder yep. and um, Ray had passed earlier that year. Yeah. But it, it was great. And, and I, yeah, yeah no, it's just it funny great. because. And, and, can I just say one more thing about that? Of course. Yeah. To, of course. Be in, to be inducted with Nina Simone. Yes. It, oh, yes. On, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, God, I'm in the same, I, I, I don't deserve to be in the same Yes, as Buddy Holly and Everly's and all those, you know, kind of thing. It's uh, that's that's the feeling that every musician gets in that. Yeah, it's almost like a surreal feeling to be a part of that that, that class, you know. 
Yeah, it, no, but it's it just is, funny. Yeah. It's just funny because we've interviewed many people over the years before they get in and they go, oh, that place, it's terrible. And then they get inducted and they go, you know, this is terrific. I love it. This is, <laughs> this is, it's so good. It, it's nice to be, va- and it's just like, okay. But, but yeah. listen, uh, n- not having Foreigner in there, not having Iron Maiden in there, whether yeah. you like their music or not, they have had an impact they on classic rock. They should. But, yeah. but I'm glad. No, I don't want to interrupt you. You're, you're, you're very eloquent, and you're saying it right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say um, that, that now I get to vote for people to be in it. I get to tick a box. Uh-huh. Everybody that's in it gets to tick a box, you know, how they think. And I, every every year since 18, I, I get that list, and I think, are they not in there? He must be nuts. <laughs> you know, yeah. like... Uh, <laughs> Well, well, t- tick a box for Foreigner and Iron Maiden the next time. Just real yeah. quick, uh, Living for Love, of course, is the new single. Is this one of many singles to come? Is there an album coming down the road? Or is it just like, hey, I got a song. I want you to hear it. Merci beaucoup. You guys are cruel. But every time I play something, it's they, you get to the end of playing it, and, and then somebody says, you got anything else? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, listen, uh, you, you've been delivering the goods for 50 years. People people have for 50 years been wanting more of you and the Moody's. Come on, that's a compliment. Yes, I know. Uh, I know. And uh, thank you. Um yeah, there'll be some other stuff along. Yeah, yeah, I will. I when it's when it's good enough. Yeah. That's it. There's a lot of things on the way to getting something that I think is good enough now. Yeah, yeah. and I think but at this that, point there will be yeah, you want to make yeah. music that you personally like as well. You don't want to just throw something out just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I've got that luxury. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues, new single, Living for Love, available now wherever you get your music. Go check out the lyric video on YouTube as well. Pick it up. It's just fantastic. Catch him on the road as well. Uh, visit all his uh, social media and uh, website for all the details on that. Uh, Justin, it was so great to meet you. Love talking guitar. We'll do this again next time. Lovely to talk to you both. Yeah, lots of love. My best wishes and thank you. An all-new episode of the Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews. Bonus content. And episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.